we took our Revelation series, and here's the reality. We knew we couldn't spend near enough time going through every single detail. And so we asked you guys to ask questions and to turn those in to us. And you did that, which is great. That's why we've already got some questions to kind of kick off with this morning. Um, but I, I asked a few people to be a part of this panel uh, with me, okay? So uh, right in the middle here is my lovely, beautiful bride, Tracy Dawson, if you didn't know that. Uh, when I touch her, it's not inappropriate. She's my wife um, at church. So I just want, you know, in case you're new and didn't know, like he's handsy for a pastor. Anyway, uh, that's, that's my bride. Um, but Tracy, this is actually one of Tracy's most favorite topics of discussion, loves the book of Revelation, actually has studied a lot more of uh, eschatology than I have, and she probably leans into more current worldwide events uh, that are going on than I do. I just, that's just for me sharing with you. She leans hard into kind of seeing what's happening worldwide, so I asked her to be a part of this today. Uh, if you don't know, I've been referencing, he sits on the front row here with his bride as well, and, and Clay, he's a, a Dan Fadel. He is a partner at our church, and he also taught the class um, uh, at our church or the group the last couple of years uh, on eschatology or kind of what he calls eschatology 101, which is like just not fair. It's really, it's more than that. Um, and he's actually going to gauge interest for anybody who wants to possibly do it again here this fall. So uh, I asked Dan because he has studied this extensively as part of his life. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm drawn on your wisdom, so come be a part of this Q&A time. And then Pastor Chris is here because uh, he manages chaos better than anyone else I know. And uh, actually, Pastor Chris, we asked him to come moderate today, especially since we already got some questions and, you know, to keep the three of us from talking for, you know, two hours. We wanted to make sure that he uh, could help rein us in. So that's his job this morning. So you guys encourage him whenever he reigns us in that that's what he's supposed to do. All right? Yeah. Pass it off to Pastor Chris. You ask great questions, but there's chances today to still ask questions, and he's going to tell you how to do it. Yep. Am I coming through? There we go. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely want you guys to, to continue to ask questions. So if you have those pop-up, I've got a screen here that's going to pop them up to me, so don't get too crazy with it. I know some of you are really tempted, <laughs> Adam Panetti. Um, so if you will, if, if something pops in your brain and someone's talking, feel free to type it in. I'm going to see it. We're going to try and get through as many questions as possible. You see the text on the screen. Let's jump in. Yeah? Yeah. All right. So first question I want to toss uh, to Dan. Dan, why don't you start us off with, this is a softball, right? Um, so the question was, uh, when Matt was mentioning the seven years mentioned in Revelation, okay? Uh, Pastor Matt said something about the Jewish calendar in the book of Daniel. Could you explain where we get that seven years idea from? And they said they kind of saw like the 42 months and 12, 60 days mentioned clearly in Revelation, but where did we get that seven year period from? Yeah, actually, that's a, a, an appropriate question because we talked about seven a lot. Yeah. And in fact, God is not shy about talking about sevens in the book of Revelation. He mentions it over 50 times, the word seven, but never seven years. Hmm. So where did he get that? Well, uh, of course, the apostle John was very familiar with the teachings of Christ since he sat there and he listened to him. And Christ himself referred back to the prophet Daniel. And the prophet Daniel is really the one that carries the key to the kingdom, if you will. And he shows us a little bit about that. In, in Daniel chapter 9, he lays out a topic that really isn't the softball one. It's a little tougher. And he talks about the 70 weeks. And you've probably heard of the 70 weeks of Daniel. That's something we would talk about a lot in class. You, you would get to hear that. 
and it's a beginner class. <laughs> we, we had several people there that had never studied the Bible at all yeah. before. Oh, good. Okay. So we start at yeah. absolutely the beginning. Cool. Just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> Everybody makes it sound tough. It's not. It's not. It really isn't. It's a beginner. But the 70 weeks are weeks of years that Daniel lays out, and actually it was given to him by the angel Gabriel. Mm. Paid a personal visit to Daniel, and there, there he is. And he says, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people, the Jews, to finish transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement, of course that's Jesus, for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision, and prophecy and anoint the most holy place. 70 weeks of years. That equals, for those of you who aren't as quick at math, 490 years. 400, 483 of those years went by, and that's when Jesus came in his triumphal entry and walked to the cross. That's 483 years. And those years are there for judgment upon Israel. There's one week of years, seven years left. That's where we get the seven years. Yep. It's, mm -hmm. it's that straightforward. And again, you see it referred to elsewhere in Scripture. But everybody says, oh, yeah, you all know Daniel. Remember Daniel? <laughs> and, and Christ did that. And that's mm -hmm. part of why he did that. So that's where we come up with seven years. Perfect. That's good. That's good. Everybody write that down? <laughs> all right. There will be a test. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, Tracy, I got one for you. Um, so there's, I feel like there's an idea, or especially people who are kind of uh, familiar with Revelations, like they've not really dove into it, or maybe they read a book when they were younger, like uh, the Left Behind series, something like that, right? And they get these ideas in their head, they're kind of borrowing from pieces here and there, but they've not really jumped into it, and they might have an unclear understanding of what it might look like practically, like in real life, right? And there's this idea of the mark of the beast, right? Mm -hmm. And so the question that, that came in was, Will we be tricked into getting the mark of the beast? Meaning, like, is it going to be something that's just kind of slid in in the guise of something else? Or is it going to be something that's clear that we're walking into? And we, and we may not have a very direct, clear answer on all this stuff, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that piece. Okay, well, um, before, I, I was, as I was thinking about this, um, I want to just, you know, remind us of a few things before we talk about that. First of all, we have to remember that um, Satan is the father of lies. All right, he is the great deceiver, and um, as we talked about Revelation, as Matt was reading, there is our holy trinity. He has the unholy trinity, mm -hmm. which is represented through the dragon, the beast from the sea, the beast of the earth. Um, everything that we see in the Revelation is an effort for Satan to deceive or replicate um, in some unholy way what Christ has done what God is doing to redeem us. So there's a lot of parallels or contrasts, if you will. And the reason I bring that up is because I feel like the mark of the beast is yet another effort at a counterfeit of what Christ has done for us. So as believers, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're told in, um, I think it's Ephesians, yeah. it's, we're told that we are marked with a seal. Um, we've been given the Holy Spirit. He's called also the Spirit of Truth. But Ephesians 1.13 says, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. So we already have a seal, which is the Holy Spirit. 
Now he has a counterfeit seal, which is going to be the mark of the beast. I honestly believe that there's no way we could be deceived into that because if we have been given the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, we are going to recognize, if we're here at that time, we're going to recognize the danger and we are going to abstain or decline from it. Um, but that does remind us that we are to stay in touch with the spirit. We are always to be walking in the spirit and listening to him guide us should something come up like that, that we're just like, this is very, very concerning. This is, um, this is, uh, this feels very much like end of time stuff. I'm, I'm going to be following the spirit, the Holy Spirit guiding me rather than listening to what the world um, would ask or demand. And so that's where, that's my interpretation of, of, of how we can avoid anything like that should we still be here at that time. But again, that is debatable yeah. depending on where we land in terms of will we be here during the time when those things actually take place. Yeah, what you got, Matt? Uh, well, just one thing, and, I, and I, didn't, I don't know who asked that question, but um, you know, the, the, wasn't the 666 in the question or something like that? Like, yeah, you know, we are, listen, you're followers of Christ, you're not superstitious people, Okay, you get a, a Burger King total of six dollars and sixty-six cents. Um, you know, you don't have to add a cheeseburger to it to <laughs> ward off the the devil. Okay, so I, in all seriousness, I, I want to just say that out loud. Like, we are not superstitious. I, I believe exactly what you're saying. We won't be tricked. Um, there will be a definite. Um, um, there will be a definite. Um, I think even Dan might have mentioned that there's a definite like worship and acceptance right of the mark like exactly not not only that there's a timing oh okay yeah so those who receive the beast mark right the mark of him will be worshiping him and that actually happens we'll look at this in class sure is it happens after he's revealing himself attempting to reveal himself as god right that's that's yeah. halfway through the seven-year period okay. and so it will be the antichrist that foments this mark yeah and tries to get this mark of allegiance to him. There's, there's no Christian going to receive that. Right, that, right. As Tracy said correctly. Let me throw so a follow up yeah, question here. So uh, what would you say, and this is for all you guys, what yeah. would you say to someone, let's say there's someone in your life who is convinced this thing is this, how do you not see this? <laughs> like, how do we, as Christians, engage that person in a way that's, one, not completely dismissed. I mean, we don't want to squash them and where yeah. they are. I mean, be kind and gracious and those kind of things, yeah. but also speak truth in those situations. How, what are some practical things we can do to kind of help in that situation? Not everyone at once. I actually, I actually did have that very conversation because I had a friend who believed that the vaccine was going to be the mark of the beast. And I, I was like, no, 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 no. Your timing is, is completely <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, it's right. it's too soon. Yeah. It's no, none of these other precursors, these um, preliminary events have even occurred yet, but um, you know, I gently and I said, remember, and again, I just told her the same thing that I'd said. Like we have the spirit of truth in us. I mean, yeah. we're not going to be deceived in that way. Um, so it's again speaking truth with love, um, mm -hmm. without condemning them for their over ambitious interpretation, but you know, speaking in the you know in the truth. Yeah, and if, it doesn't matter what they say. It is AI. Uh, chips in your hand, so on, so on, like, 
are these precursors to possibly blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But when they say, well, that's what it is, you know, you can say with confidence from reading even just Revelation, you can say with confidence, look, we are not going to be tricked into this. This is not something that's going to be like, it, people will be deceived by the enemy, but we're not going to be sort of just like, ha, 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 we gotcha. You know, yeah. it's yeah. not, it's not like that. And so no. I think as Christians, you need to be okay with, you know, kind of, you know, again, gently and lovingly saying, we, we don't believe that's the way that is, you know, yeah, we don't believe think, that's how that's going to happen. I think one of the threads we've seen through the whole series that we've talked about is the importance as a Christian and believer to say, I don't know. That's true. And that's yeah. okay. Like, yeah. it doesn't mean, like, just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean you have complete and utter, like, illumination to all the truths and reality of the world. Does that make sense? Yep. And there's no, pr like, that's not the pressure. I mean, like, I don't see that in the teachings of Jesus, you know, when he talks to his disciples. And so I hope, I hope through this series you felt like, it may feel like a lot, like, holy cow, I don't know anything. And that's probably right. I'm included in that. But the point isn't to have all the understanding and in, in, in the world because that's part of what the Holy Spirit's there for yeah. is to help us to understand. Yeah. Let's pivot to another question. Okay. Um, here's a good one from you, Matt. Um, this is something I thought about a lot as a kid because this idea freaked me out. Okay. So is Christ's return something we should be excited about? Yeah. And they, they went on and said, should I want Jesus to come back during my lifetime or should I be thankful that I'm in heaven before all the things in Revelation are carried out on earth, given how awful it's played out to be. So should we be excited about that? Because the scriptures do kind of speak to that expectant, you know, excited uh, uh, feeling for the believer. Yes. I would say, uh, wait, what was the question? <laughs> is Christ Are we excited about Christ's return? Well, the, the bottom line is, is Christ's return something you should be excited about? Yes. And it's, listen, I know that speaks a little bit into rapture stuff, which I, I think there's another couple questions on or something, but yep. I mean, you know, kind of speaks into when that happens and is it going to happen beforehand or middle or am I going to have to experience that? And listen, it's, an, it's a natural human state to want to not suffer, to not experience uh, hardship um, and, and, and not go through that kind of persecution. So it's kind of like, wouldn't I be rather, wouldn't I rather die of old age and then, you know, be in heaven when all this goes down? I mean, I, I, I just want you to understand, I understand that, right? I understand that. Um, but I think the, the part that we're told in Revelation to be expectant and to be watchful and, is that we should. We should, be, we should be excited about Christ's return because it is, it is a, um, it's, it's the finishing of his work. You know, it's the, it's the culmination of, of the eradication of sin. It's the, you know, we want there to be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow. No, you know, like we want all these things. And that should be, you know, part of what we, what we are excited about, you know, and that's, and I, so I think you, you should be, can be, um, be excited about it. Go ahead, Dan. Well, what, what I wanted to mention, and I, I wanted to say it even earlier, the praise team did a phenomenal did job. Yeah. And wasn't that work? Parker did she, Parker such did a good, good job. She, that was baby. their baby. Yeah, yeah, she did good. But when it just really lifts you up, and, it, yeah. and that really is what we're going to see is that same thing. There are basically three different ways Christ is revealing himself or has revealed himself. And I hadn't put this, not in one of the questions, sorry. Early on, right after creation, Christ was the pre-incarnate Christ, right. yep. and he walked among his people yep. with Adam and Eve mm -hmm. and at various other times throughout biblical history. Then he was incarnated. He was born as a man, yep. and he lived. That was two. Number three, 
is going to blow your socks off. <laughs> That's what we're games. waiting. This is, yep. y- there is no mistaking yeah. when he comes out. Yeah. There, there's a lot of people that say, hey, watch out, don't be deceived. That's what Jesus said, be, saying here's the Messiah or there's the Messiah. When he comes, there, there will be zero question. No one's going to have to come tell you, hey, is that Jesus? Uh, this might be the... No, 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 no. We'll know. We will yes. know. Yes. Yeah. It's good. That's good. Um, let's talk a little bit about the concept of eternity, just the idea. Because okay. it's kind of a big idea because yep. eternity is like forever, right? So the question says, how do we explain uh, the concept of eternity and what we will be doing forever? So it kind of speaks into where you were kind of going a minute ago, but how do we speak, or how do we explain the concept of eternity and like what actually, like what, from what we understand in the scripture, what that's going to look like for believers? That's an all-skate. It's an all-skate. Oh, okay. You know, this is one, we, we actually did talk about this, I don't know how many different times in class, but everybody's got ideas. Uh, each each person, I won't mention their names, each person had an idea of what they were going to be doing all of attorney. <laughs> they had some I'll really... I will be fishing! Well, so that's, that was actually one of the end lines that I used in one of the sets of notes. Yeah. It's time to go fishing. It's time to go fishing. There you go. And that's because in, in the throne room, there's this tree. Right. The tree of life. And out of it is flowing a river, yep. the yep. river of life. God has never built a river that had, didn't have fish. Mm. Never. <laughs> All right, well, at least half of you are excited. All right, so, no, I was going to say the only thing that I look at is I go towards the end of the Re- Revelation to go to 21 and 22, or, t- yeah, chapter 21 and 22, and I, and I love the idea of the fact that it says uh, it's a new heaven and new earth, um, that he's making all things new. And I just, I sit back and think about um, heaven just from the idea of, I don't know if my mind sometimes can even feasibly imagine a world without sin, imagine a life without trouble. Um, and so even for b- b- brief glimpses and moments, I get excited about the thought of forever uh, in, that w- in that way, that it's all made new. Um, so I get excited about that. I think about, you know, the places we'll go. The, I, I, get, I get into that little, um, what's that? Oh, uh, baby, the places you'll go. Oh, baby, the places you'll go. The, uh, the cat in the hat book. You know, like, I just, I just think about that. Like, wow, I just can't even imagine what that will be uh, like. But it is, it's, I think it's supposed to uplift us mm-hmm. to want to think about eternity. And I think going back just briefly, uh, the, the precursor to the all things are made new. It's like God's going to be with his people again. And oh, the idea of just like, just being able, as Dan said, pre, pre-incarnate, incarnate, and again, we are going to be able to walk with Jesus again, which and is I, just... Ah. I think a lot of times we get really, 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 really hung up on the what. Yeah. And I think, uh, especially some personality types, like if you're a kind of type of person who likes to plan things, and you like to have things <laughs> nice and mapped out, it's very anxiety-driven to consider something that's forever that you don't know oh, no. what you're walking into. Yeah, yeah. That's like spelled. Y'all with me? Yeah. Like, does that make sense for some people? And I think I think what, what Matt was getting to is focusing on the who, yes. which is Jesus, and what that will be like is, is a big part of that experience. Go ahead, Tracy. Okay, and also, yeah, um, th- one other way to look at it is as we are here right now, the world corrupted by sin, we have to deal with sin in our lives and everything. We are not free to do what we were created to do entirely. But when we are in eternity, we will be completely free 
to do what he originally intended, what he created us to do. So it's not going to be that you are drudgingly or begrudgingly having to go and do the, 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 the. No, I mean, you are going to, we are going to be finally free to do what God had ultimately in mind when he created us to begin with. And it will be all things good and perfect and holy and joy-filled. So, um, yeah. and if that's fishing, then maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I'm getting, so a lot of the questions we have coming in are really focused on how do I, okay, like I'm understanding what I'm understanding about Revelation, yeah. but how do I then communicate that to others? Like, not just like uh, as I'm going to go talk to 15 people about it right now, but if I get in a conversation about it, y'all with me? So the question that just came in was, how do we explain or talk with someone who maybe doesn't believe? Um, how, do we, how do we talk to them about how God is just and good when they, when they ask about, well, if he's just and good, what about all that's happening in this book that's at the very end? So how do you... How do we reconcile those? You've talked about this a little bit, Matt, the past couple of weeks. But what's what's a good way? Maybe, maybe not like a, a, a like a a quick little patch and band aid for the question. But maybe how do we think about that as we talk to people who maybe don't believe as we believe, or or just have questions about it? So um, I'll just I'll start. But you know, Peter when he wrote the church said, you know, be prepared, right? Be prepared to share the hope that you have with others. Um, Big words there is be prepared, which means that you cannot share the hope of Christ. You cannot share the hope of what will happen in the end. You cannot share the hope of what, of what may or may not happen and have an answer to life's problems if you are not prepared by reading the Word of God. So you've got to be prepared. Let me just, I don't know how else to say that. Be prepared to share the hope that's within you is not just the hope for salvation, even though that's often how we teach it. It's the hope for everything. We talk about it as a church, absolute hope. Like, you got to be prepared to share the absolute hope of all things in your life um, with others. And, and, and the following verse of that is to be respectful, right? The following verse of that is how you do that is you respect the fact that these people you're talking to are not idiots, Okay. Do not, do not assume that because they are deceived or do not see God, that they are dumb, that they're stupid, right? You have to approach people with the respect of the fact that these are people who, look, they, it's not like they don't have belief or trust. They just trust in the wrong thing. They're just trusting in themselves. <laughs> they're trusting in science. They're trusting in the government. You know, that might be dumb. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, you know, you, you want to say, you want to be respectful, and help people understand, listen, I, you know, you've chosen to place your trust in something that I personally feel like is going to fail you. And, and, and let me just share with you where my absolute hope comes from. And, but again, you have to be prepared to be able to do that. And so whether it's questions about revelation or, you know, your salvation or whatever it is, you, that's why we went over it. That's why we, we yeah. want you to, to always be looking and reading into the Word of God to know how to be able to approach this. What's an idea? What's take take the and I I I'm gonna push a little further. That's fine. Specifically with the the goodness of God. Yes. And 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 putting that up against the incredible suffering. Yep. That is described and what is expected to come. How how um, or maybe what are some good examples of ways to have that conversation um, with someone who is is challenging that those two disparate very different ideas into one being how can you how can you do it so how do we how do we have that conversation all right i'll briefly say something i'll give something to dan and tracy if they want to say anything um i think i think i said it last week or the week before um 
You know, when somebody basically says, but it's going to be so horrible, you know, how could, how could a loving God do that? And I want to say to people that, listen, God's justice is always the same. Um, do, not, do not assume that because he does not strike someone dead the moment they lie, that death will not come, right? Do not assume that God doesn't, because a, a marriage, you know, fractured a family and caused pain in your life and because, you know, there's poverty and hunger and so forth and so on, do not assume the injustices of this world, do not assume that because God does not step in right now and do something about it that he's okay with it. And that's when you can say, look, I understand that we see this as horrible, you know, horrible consequences, but they are consequences nonetheless of a sinful world that God is going to set right. He is going to set straight. Where does the grace come? You have an opportunity right now to give your life to him. Mm -hmm. You, right now, even, even we talked about this in, the, in, in parts of the end times, will still have the opportunity to recognize and honor and give glory to God. Yeah. Um, and whether you choose to do it or not will we'll, we'll dictate 100% the consequences that you receive. Yeah. What do you guys think? Any other thoughts on that? Well, I want to add, too, that a lot of those conversations come down to why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. And we have to kind of draw back to the 30,000-foot view and say, you know what, honestly, there are no good people. <clears throat> there was only one good person and all the bad things yeah. All the bad things happen to him. Mm -hmm. So the rest of us, we are presuming um, some things with that kind of perspective that, that we're good, that people are basically born good. That's not true. That's not biblical. <clears throat> we know that we are all, you know, we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. And so that there's a consequence. There's a wage for our sins. So we kind of, as believers, have to also gently say, you know what? I, I see where you're coming from, and what we have to understand is, you know, that um, that we we live in a fallen world, and we are fallen people, and and then as we come to a saving faith, as we come to a relationship with God, we have to understand that He He says He um, His His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Some things we just have to trust to Him and say. Your word says you are going to set things right. No, um, no word is uttered that we will not give an account for. The things that are done in darkness will be exposed by the light. So nobody is getting away with anything. Although, like he said, it may appear for the short term that they are. So there's, there's a lot of layers to those conversations. There's no one-off that really satisfies that answer. It's, you know, many conversations a lot of times. What do you think, Dan? Well, first of all, you guys both got it exactly right. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. <laughs> well, but what I wanted to go on yeah. to is something that kind of follows out of that, and, it, and it's also related to one of the questions that had come in earlier. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead it. of you. And, and that had to do with the millennium. Yes. What's yeah, that all about? Yeah. Okay, the millennium, we believe in a literal 1,000-year reign yep. of Jesus Christ on earth. Yep. Who, who's there? Oh, okay. That millennium happens after the seven-year period of time. Mm -hmm. it, it does. That's, that's what it is. There's a big battle at the end, Armageddon, we mm -hmm. call it. Yep. Everybody's heard of that. But what happens at the end of the battle? Well, there are some believers on earth, whether you believe at first a lot of people were raptured away. Right. There are others who are going to look at that and say, whoa, I, can I please? 
and, and they will try to, to do that, and they'll try to get involved, and they will. They will be successful in giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Yeah. That will happen. Right up until the time when he bursts forth from the clouds with all of the heavenly hosts, here he is, and he comes down to earth, and there's going to be Armageddon. At that point, all who are not believers are gone, mm. to put it politely. Yeah. They're gone. Satan himself is bound, bound. for a thousand years. Yep. So a lot of people say, well, people are inherently good, right? right? I mean, a lot of people say that. So who's left? Believers. Mm -hmm. Like us, human beings, normal, everyday human beings. They'll grow up. They'll get married. They'll have children. They'll have grandchildren. Every single person that's born on that earth during that thousand years still has to make a decision. Am I going to choose Jesus Christ yeah. or not? And we learn that despite Satan being gone, his demons are gone, there is nothing like that around going on. People will still not follow Jesus. Yep. We're told that because at the end of that 1,000 years, right. there is a time when Satan is loosed for a brief time. We don't know how long that is. And he will gather an army of those people. Yep. And they're going to rebel against Jesus Christ, despite the fact that they have seen a, a perfect government on yeah. earth yeah. once, the only time it will ever occur. <laughs> <laughs> the only time. Only time. Where, where Christ yeah. has done away with most of the things that drag us all down. Mm. There will be no corruption. Yeah. None. The only people ruling with him at that time are resurrected saints right. who no longer sin. They're no longer subject to bribes yep. or any of those things. Despite that perfect world, people are still going to choose not to follow Jesus. Mankind is fallen. Our nature is a yeah. sin nature. Yeah. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? So you don't follow your heart, you follow Jesus. Remember that one. Yeah. And so that 1,000-year period of time, it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Christ will never again not rule. Right, he will right. rule forever. Right. Yep. He's going to continue to rule after that 1,000 years, but that 1,000 years is on earth, yep. on this earth that we're in now. Yep. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. That comes after. But that 1,000 years, there will still be people falling and doing the wrong things. Yeah. I had a good uh, uh, kind of segue question come up with this whole piece, uh, kind of talking about a segment of that, that entire time period. And the question is, for those who have passed away mm -hmm. but didn't believe, right, is there a second chance for those people who did not know Christ? Kind of, I'm just going to read it verbatim because I really like this, kind of like a creepy zombie situation. But would there be any opportunity for those people who died and did not trust in Jesus to actually know him? This is a hard. It's hard. I don't this is hard, but don't uh, there is there is nothing in Scripture to yeah. indicate. There, there. Yeah. After death, we see over and over again that there is now the judgment. They are resurrected yeah. to the great white throne that Matt yeah. already talked about. Yeah, they are resurrected for the judgment. For judgment. Yeah. That's that's the only thing they're back for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry to say, but that's that's what the ones the word resurrected. Of God says. The, when he talked about the first resurrection, those are only Christians. That, that are resurrected before the millennium. 
So yeah, just don't there. That's why he has to reference that there's a first resurrection. There's a second death. Yeah. But there doesn't seem to be any evidence at all that between their first death and the second death that they would have a chance to repent. And I think so. a lot of times we have a hard, yep. we, myself included, I, I just think people, right? We have a hard time reconciling. It, it's kind of goes to what, when, you know, when Matt talks about like my truth, your truth and his truth, you know, y'all with me when he talks about that, it, it's, it's a kind of like that where like we have a hard time reconciling a feeling or an emotion or an experience we have with a difficult truth mm. and it evolves into a my truth. Like, oh, well, no, I believe this, but in this situation, because of what I've experienced, I kind of think this, and that's different than like having an actual belief. So how do we, how do we engage with those people when maybe we're having a conversation or they're asking a question about these kinds of things and we encounter a my truth in the midst of a, well, his truth says there, there's like some picking and choosing between these different pieces. How do we help those in those conversations? I, there's, there's an approach that I have found that I rely on a lot is, you know, I don't know the exact question, sure. the answer to the exact question. At that point, I am praying big time. Mm -hmm. I am counting on one thing, and that's oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. <laughs> please give me the right words yeah. because mine are not necessarily yeah. the right words. Yeah. I want his words. Yep. I, I don't know how else to tell everyone to do it other than that. And if you don't know the answer at that point is where you say, well, I'm not real sure how to answer your question. I know that the Bible says yeah. whatever it is the Holy Spirit brings to your heart yep. at that time, the Bible says this, yeah. and I count on that. Yeah. You got, you I'll be happy to help. you got to lean heavy into the his truth side of that. Yeah. When you uncover it, you've got to lean heavy into his truth. It's almost, and it's hard because, you know, you got to then pull your own opinion away. Yeah. And that's probably harder than anything. Yeah. Um, than just being prepared and knowing his truth is being able to hold back your tongue. That's hard. Yep. Yeah. All right. I think we have time for like one more really big juicy one. So I want, I want Tracy, <laughs> and, Tracy and Dan, I want to hear you guys talk about this a little bit. <laughs> so in Revelation, where we look through, we see like there are specific places that are referenced and specific churches that are referenced, right? Mm -hmm. But as we look into it, is the United States <laughs> mentioned in, at all in prophecy? In fact, are there like other countries that are specifically mentioned other than, because Israel obviously is mentioned as well. So, Dan, you want to start us off a little bit with like the historical? I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll start it off. Yes. Uh, the book of Revelation really doesn't mention a lot of other countries. It does mention, and you hear about it later, Gog and Magog. Yeah. Gog is generally seen as the ruler of Magog, a region, and it's kind of over near the black, north, of, north and east of the Black Sea and east of the Caspian Sea. That's a, it's a mm -hmm. region. Okay, and, and so we see that. And then when you kind of couple that together, because Gog and Magog are mentioned specifically in the book of Ezekiel, chapters 38 and 39 a little bit too, he expands on who that is. Who are those countries? And that reads kind of like the who's who axis of evil, if you want. <laughs> right, right, right. Right? I mean, I don't want to, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. That, <laughs> <laughs> the precursor of that, yeah. Well, um, that's, that's who they mentioned. Go ahead. He, okay, so yeah. uh, we see Iran yep. mentioned. We see Russia yep. mentioned. We see Turkey mentioned. Yep. We see, believe it or not, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Ukraine is in there. And, and a number, Libya, uh, Sudan, a, a number of Egypt, a lot of other countries are mentioned as a part of this. And there is going to be a massive attack at that time, at the time Ezekiel calls out in 38 and 39, an attack focusing over 
Israel. There may actually be a couple factions attacking each other at the same time. Yeah. And the Ezekiel 38-39 section, there are differing opinions of when that occurs. Most current expositors put it either just, at, just before the seven-year period or just after the beginning of the seven years. Because at the end of this, when God <laughs> defeats everyone, big time, there's seven years worth of spoils that right. the people of Israel live on. Seven years. You know, is yeah. that a coincidence? Nah. No. Yeah. No. No, it's not. And so we see a number of other countries there, and that was one of the ones that in class, uh, the last day of class, they said, okay, what things should be, would be, what should we watch for, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. And so I gave them a list, and of course, Jesus said, watch and be ready. Yep. More than once. Watch and be ready. How do you be ready? Okay, that's, that's another class. Yep. <laughs> okay. And, I, and before Tracy gives into it, I'll just say, you know, what, what's happening sometimes is, you know, for, for Americans and North Americans are just like, uh, we got to be in there. We're the strongest right. nations in the, in the world. Um, and so then they start reading the Bible through their lens and like, oh, the eagle, that must be us. And uh, I think there was a lion head. It was like, oh, that must be yeah. England. And that yeah. must, you know, and so, you know, all I'm saying is that you'll read, you know, you'll get on the Google, you know, and you'll read some of these things. Just be careful. You know, when you do that, like, there's, there's, there's a lot of things clearly stated. There are some, you know, uh, representations of things. But just, just take all that with open hands and a grain of salt and, and pray hard in the Holy Spirit that he would help uh, with that. Sorry, go ahead. So to circle back to the question, honestly, we don't see the U.S. Yeah. in there mentioned anywhere. And there are a couple of... Um, uh, hypothesis as to what that me might mean or why one of them has been because maybe the church had the rapture had already occurred and and then all the Christians from America had been pulled out and so therefore America is weakened with I don't know I don't I think that's a, a weak feels like kind a stretch. Of, that sounds just, like a great American yeah, answer yeah exactly uh, yeah. <laughs> sounds like an American who answered that that's all yeah, I'm saying totally. so but that's just one theory um, but another would be that America is so weakened or no longer has as much influence in that region, and right. therefore our intervention is null and void. Mm. It's, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know why that we would not be in there, but I just know that as reading through this multiple times, I've never seen anything uh, mentioning mm -hmm. the U.S. So, um, you know, it's... But here's the thing. We, as we are to be, as he said prepared and watching, um, you know, our mission has not changed in terms of go and make disciples. We're actually told to hasten the coming of the Lord by doing this. That means there is a time that is going to come to an end where people no longer have that opportunity. And we need to do our best to speak the truth and to um, share the gospel for those who have not yet received it. Um, and so that is how we are hastening the, the coming of the Lord because he said he's not slow in, in fulfilling his promises like we believe slowness. He is taking his time so that no one needs to perish. He's giving everybody as much time as possible to come to a saving knowledge of, of him. So that's what our job is and not to worry about why we're not mentioned um, you know, so it's yeah. kind of like keep the main thing the main thing. There you go. And Americans don't always get to be the hero. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. as much as we would like to be. Uh, 
No, it's good. I, I think there's a lot of that personal perspective yeah. and even just geography. It sounds boring, but I mean, like, if you yeah. look at the countries that Dan mentioned, go look at it on the map. And yeah. the Middle East and either North Africa and, and Western Asia, like, that's a geographic region that had significance in that time period. And so it makes a lot of sense that that's kind of what's that's referenced. And the, as we'll see as the story continues to play out, you know, there's some implications there as well. So. But um, can I can yeah. I add something else too? It is important for us to follow what is happening over there, and I don't know what your news organizations are, but it's very hard to find um, people and and journalists and correspondents that are actually talking about what is happening over there because we are actually witnessing, in my opinion, and the people that I follow and listen to, we're witnessing the alignment of Ezekiel 38 happening right now, 38 and 39. We are seeing major players that are falling into those alliances that are described right there in Ezekiel. So we're seeing um, like uh, Iran and Russia and, um, and others in that region. They are, and this is all within the context of, you know, current events, but we see, we, we have to use this as a lens for seeing beneath the surface what looks like, you know, factions and infighting and stuff that's gone on for decades, if hundreds of years. The world interprets, interprets those things through that lens, but mm. we interpret it as, oh, no, this is exactly what God told us about in Ezekiel, and this is what is actually happening. And it is, um, it is a deeper meaning, a, do, a deeper um, cause for that. So, I mean, we, we're seeing it right now, and especially as this um, war with Ukraine continues on, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. Um, you know, and we're watching how those countries are starting to um, interact with one another as a result of that. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, Matt. Um, yes, sir. Would you have, like, um, a couple thoughts or... Um, Maybe some scripture to, to help put a button on our time in the series. What would you? Yes, um, I, I would. I wanted to take just a minute as we kind of get ready to close up. Um, I wanted to take just a minute to share not my words, uh, but 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 the words of Jesus. And what I didn't do last week, I think I shared this with you last week. Uh, it's all a blur. I have a hard time remembering everything when I shared stuff because I've been reading and studying and looking. Uh, for several months, but um, if you didn't know this already, because maybe you hadn't gotten this far in reading Revelation yet, but at the very, very end, this is after I shared with you last week the whole new heaven and new earth, and you know what what he's creating, and 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 starting verse uh, chapter twenty-two is where he talks about the tree of life and the the river apparently with fish flowing from the tree of life, and uh, no, I, I I it's a beautiful talking about that crystal sea and all that. But then, you know, chapter 22, the way it ends, isn't just sort of uh, John going, all right, signing off over and out, you know, there, is, there are four actual statements that are made by Jesus to John. Um, and, and, and the way I look at it is I, I want to give importance to those the same way we do when we go look at Matthew or we look at Jesus' ascension and we look at his final words um, I want to give a lot of weight to um, the final words of Jesus, uh, in addition to maybe just one warning that John gives um, as well. So let me go through these uh, quickly for you. These are the last four statements. I think you'll be on the screen, and we're going to put them on the screen for you. 
uh, as well. But these are in red letters. You know, you get your red letter, red letter Bible out. Uh, Revelation 22, you can literally see these four statements that this is John receiving, kind of finishing the vision, receiving the vision and writing things down. And Jesus himself makes these statements. Uh, the first one's in verse seven. It says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of the prophecy written in this book, right? So he's, he, is, he is talking specifically about the, the vision that's been given, the book that he said to John, write this down. Um, I always take that to be in consideration of the whole book in terms of just his word. Um, but it says, I want you to understand that you're, you're going to be blessed when you, when you obey these things, when you listen to these things, when you hear these things, just like he said at the beginning of the book, uh, the beginning, beginning of Revelation, blessed are those who hear this and uh, who uh, read those to each other. In verse 12, it says, this is again, Jesus' statement, look, I am coming soon. I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds, because I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is when I tell people sometimes, you know, we've read the, the end of the book, we know how it all works out, hashtag Jesus wins, you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's, th this is it. Um, there's incredible confidence that uh, you can live your Christian life with a, with a great deal of knowing how the, how the last chapter reads. Um, you, are, you are not like everyone else wandering through without any idea how it ends. They have their own idea of how it ends, but you have the last chapter written. You know how it ends. You know? And so you have a great deal of, I, I think where Jesus says, I'm coming soon and I am bringing my reward. You know, the, he already heard about the judgments. Deeds are going to be measured right? Like it's, it's going to be weighed by fire and, you know, and, and only the purest stuff is going to come out the other, other side. And here it is in verse 16. This is the third statement. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message the, for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. I love that, that pull back to the Old Testament and that pull back for the Jewish people to hear that, look, I am not only the source of David, like I'm the creator of all things, but I'm also the heir, as we understand the, the, the branch, right? He's the heir of David's throne. I'm fulfilling every prophecy because I am the beginning and I am the end. I am, you know, and I just love that. Now, there's a good warning here, and I want to just say this warning. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing heavy on Jesus' statement, but boy, this, this statement from John is really, really good. And I want to just make sure everybody hears it. This is John. John has just heard from the spirit and from the bride in this vision, come and taste and see, come those who are thirsty, come, come and experience God. Um, it's a beautiful invitation. I read that to you the first week. But here's what John says in verse 18. I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book that if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God's going to add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share of the tree of life and that holy city described in this book. And I certainly hope we have modeled for you the humility by which we approach this. We don't have all the answers. We do not have a plan to sell you after the service is done today of how the world's going to end and you can know too for 1999. Um, we do not have those things because we take these verses very seriously and you need to take these verses very seriously. 
It's the reason, again, I say with open hands and just prayer, when you start seeing people talk about end times with such definitive absolutes that do not come clearly from the word of God, you have to be very, very careful because we are not to add to this. We are not to take anything away from this. Everybody with me? Nod your head if you heard the warning. Good, good, good. That's a big deal to me. I think John specifically says this, especially for the seven churches this is first going to, to he, he understands, guys, just, just trust not only that Jesus gave this to me, that he's the beginning of the end, that he's finishing this, but please don't, please don't bring man into this. Please don't let our fallen nature, as Dan said, begin to turn this. Let it continue to be the, the hope-filled coming of Christ for his people. And then the very last two verses is part of his, again, last words. He who's a faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. This is, what, this is John's response. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. And I thought there was no better way to end this than that verse where we, we may not know every answer to every question. We may not be able to solve every single problem. I can't answer every little thing. We'll try to answer some of the questions, by the way, uh, via text and emails and things that we maybe didn't get to today. We'll try to do that for you, engage in those questions. But listen, guys, you know, Jesus said he's coming back. And we need to say amen. Come back soon, Lord Jesus. And we appreciate and thank you, Jesus, for the blessing you've given us today. So let me pray for us and close us out. Jesus, it's with your words we end because it's in your words that we trust and put our hope and have our being. God, thank you so much just for, just for the questions today from hearts that are seeking you. Thank you for uh, Pastor Chris and Dan and Tracy and just their heart to want to serve and answer and be a part of today just to, just to share what they've studied and learned and know. Not that we know everything, God. We just don't. But God, today, hopefully this has, through your spirit, been a powerful time for people to bring some resolution and probably some, hopefully, some closure to this, this book that they've steered away from that you've already told us we're going to be blessed if we read it, if we obey it, if we understand it, if we listen to what you're saying to the churches and, 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 and live our lives to the, to the, uh, in obedience to you. And so, God, that's my prayer. As we close this series, as we close it out, that, that that would be our leaving this place today is just a continued um, commitment to want to live out and obey your word to us. And God, we pray all of this and thankful for your Jesus name. Amen.